All right. Well, man, I'm so glad that you guys are here today. Uh, look at your neighbor and tell them you look good. Come on. Tell, look at your other neighbor and tell them you look good, the one you didn't choose the first time. Yeah, the one, the second choice. <laughs> second choice. Always talk, it's always interesting when you know when you're a pastor and you can tell them like, hey, look at your neighbor, tell them something, and you just you know the one you don't want to talk to. It's real easy. You can just tell by the first one you chose. So anyway, man, I'm so glad that you're here. Hey, if you have your Bibles today, open up to First uh, Samuel chapter 18. First Samuel chapter 18. That's where we're going to start today. It's in the Old Testament. Again, so happy, so excited. Before I get started today, will you do me a favor? Just as a church family, just as a body, will you help me thank? All of our Rise Church volunteers who woke up super early today. Come on, make some noise for them. Come on, y'all could do better than that. They, did, they woke up early. It's been a long journey to get here, man. Erica and I are honored. There's no way we could have done this. If it was just based on me and my wife, we, I would have been had no microphone standing on the ground, and we would just been like, hey, please come. You know, just please, just come back. And so uh, it's what we do here is what we call it a spiritual family. That's what we're going to talk about today. So 1 Samuel chapter 18, um, and the, the title of my message is, is called a, a Place to Belong, A Place to Belong. Um, you, some of you got this in the mail. Fact, some of you, this is why you're here. You, you got our, our postcard, and it said, uh, start on the front, and it said you were made to, and then it made you turn it over because you were curious what it said. And then we turned it over, and it was marketing, but you didn't know that. Anyway, and so uh, it said you were made to belong. And the reason we, we sent that out is because that's really what we believe here. We believe that you were made to belong. We believe you were made to actually fit like a family fits. You, were ha you might become on here lonely thinking that there was nobody who cared or saw you and you were, would be wrong because God sees you and he knows what you need and you're in here right now because of this message. You're going to hear something today and it's not going to be my words. The Holy Spirit's going to be speaking to you and be like, see, this is what I told you. This is what I promised you. This is what I believed in you and you're going to come out of this place feeling like you found a family. I, I almost guarantee it and so it's going to be good. So 1 Samuel chapter 18 uh, before we do that, I just want to give you some context to the scripture. So if you don't know anything about uh, what's going on right now, First Samuel uh, in this particular part, there's three characters. There's David, there's Jonathan, and then there's King Saul. David is the David. You'd know the king, like the David and Goliath David. Everybody knows David and Goliath story. So that's the David we're talking about. And then Saul is the king of the time. So Saul runs this place. He's, he's kind of the main guy. He's the one everybody's afraid of, and he's the one that everybody looks up to. And David is in his court. He's there to serve King Saul. And then there's Jonathan, who is, Jonathan is King Saul's son, his actual son, his actual family. And David and Jonathan, we learn in this scripture, we're going to learn about their relationship here real quick, and it's going to be important to us. So 1 Samuel chapter 18, and if you don't have your Bibles, that's okay. Uh, we'll put them up on the screens. Also, we have version. If you have the version Bible app, I give you my notes ahead of time. So all you guys who like to look ahead of the test and see all the answers, you can actually pull it up right now and see our notes. So if you open up the version Bible app and go to events and then search Rise Church, all my notes are right there. So you can skip ahead if you want to, if you just get bored and you just want to look at something. So anyway, 1 Samuel chapter 18, and it's says, as soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit. Everybody say knit. Knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. So what the Bible is talking about is saying, so Jonathan and David are not brothers by blood. They're brothers by connection, by what they are a part of. They're in a spiritual, quote unquote, family. They're, God does something uniquely in their spirits and they knit them together. Or it's like, hey, they became closer than friends. They became family. Everybody say family. In verse 2, and it says, and Saul took him to that day and would not let him return to his father's house. So we see a dramatic shift where David had favor in the eyes of Saul to now he does not. 
Saul's now mad at him. And you can look in other parts of the scriptures where he actually throws spears at him. He tries to kill David. And Jonathan actually turns out to be the one that saves David. And you in here right now might feel like you got some spears. This isn't even my notes. This is free. You might feel like you have some spears being thrown at you. There's like an enemy at your doorstep. You feel like somebody's after you. And you want to know your saving grace is probably somebody who you find in spiritual family that's going to protect you. I'm glad you're here because you're going to find that person today. I promise you. So verse 3, he says, then Jonathan made a covenant with David. That's important. We're going to come back to that. Because he loved him as his own soul. Remember, he was knit. To David And Jonathan stripped himself of his robe, that's important, that was on him, and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him. Turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. Old Testament, we're going to go New Testament real quick here. Matthew chapter 16, verse 16, and it says this. It says, Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of a living God. Context, real quick. Jesus is asking those who are closest to him, who do they say that I am? And then he asks them this. He goes, okay, now that I know what everybody says that I am, what the world says that I am, what social media says that I am, what the, what the country says that I am, what your political party says that I am, what, what your, your family says that I am, who do you say that I am? And he says this. He says, and Jesus replied, you, Simon said, you're the Messiah. And in verse 17, he says, you are blessed, Simon, son of, Jonah, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from just being a human being. He says, now I say to you that you are Peter. Everybody say Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. That's important. I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Matthew chapter 16. What an interesting verse where Jesus sets the tone of what the church should look like. And with that scripture reading, let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you that you're, you're here today. God, your Bible says where two or three are gathered, you are in their midst. You were here. The living God is here. You're not off in a cloud somewhere waiting to strike somebody with a lightning bolt. You are here like a good father looks after his children. You look to bless us, God, and I pray that you would speak to us today in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody say amen. 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 How many of y'all would say you've been in church before? Raise your hand. Just you've been in church. Come on, just like you put deodorant on this morning, you're happy to be here. All right, there you go. A lot of us have been in church before. Church for a lot of us is not new. Some of you have never been in church. Some of you have been in church since Moses was alive. It's like you, you just don't remember what it was like. That's a little like me. I, I don't remember a time when I wasn't in church. I was always at church on Sunday morning. I was always in church. I was under, in fact, we had, my church experience was interesting and unique. We had uh, pews. Y'all remember pews? You know what I'm talking about? What a pew is? Just so for those of you who don't know what a pew is, it's a long bench. Why we called it a pew? I don't know. I haven't looked into the history of what the pew is, but I'm sure there's a reason behind it. But there were pews. There were long benches. And what we would as kids is what we do when you're younger. We didn't have kids ministry like we do. Like we have really neat, awesome kids ministry back there who are actually teaching your children who are not babysitting your kids right now. They're teaching them the word of God. And they're having fun. And they're going to be amazing. And you're going to be raised up. And caught. But, but we didn't have that. So we had like Sunday school. And Sunday school was ran by like really angry, mean people, and you didn't want, they just were looking for a way to discipline you, you know what I'm saying? And so we stayed in here, and we slept under the pews, and, and uh, you couldn't sit on the front row unless you were over 70, and, and you know, we had, the ladies had the prayer caps, and, the, and I walked by them, and they pinched me on my arm. Anybody ever been pinched on their arm in church like me? Y'all recovering pinched people. That was my experience. We had that, and, and I remember I'd get up, and they'd be, our services would be like 17 hours long. Like we would have 17, we would have church in the morning, and then we'd break for lunch, and there'd be a potluck outside. We'd go eat, and we forgot about the gluttony part because we would eat. And I'm telling y'all, we would eat 
at the buffet, and then we'd come back in for another five hours, and then we'd go out and break again, and then we'd come back in for another five hours, and it was awesome because we really didn't know why, but we just did it forever because we wanted to, and then we had church on Tuesday, and we had like prayer meeting on Tuesday, and then church on Wednesday, and then we had men's meeting on Thursday, and then we had prayer meeting on Friday. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about? Right. And we just kind of get and it was it was like nonstop praying. And I remember like the pastor would get up and he would do this like sermonic solo. Do y'all know what a sermonic solo is. He would find a scripture and I'm not mad at this. This is how I grew up. This is part of the reason I am who I am. And he would walk up there and the pastor would get up there and he'd find some. He'd, Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. He goes, somebody, Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. You know what I mean? And we're like. What's wrong? Is he clearing his throat? Is he okay? I was like, why do I got to hug him? And uh, he would, you know, he would sing. It would be a sermonic solo. And, uh, and you know, he would preach out of one version that nobody could really understand. And uh, I, it was confusing, not because they weren't genuine. And don't misunderstand me. I don't re- resent the way I grew up. I revere the way I'm blessed for the way that I grew up. I'm honored for the way that I grew up. I'm glad that someone gave me rules and structure. Too much freedom isn't good given to a child. And so I'm glad and I'm thankful for how I grew up. I don't, I kid about my experience, not because I'm mad about it. I just want you to know that that's what it was. It was a little different. I saw church more like a contract, more like an organization, more like I needed to prove myself, more that I I needed to actually show up and be holy for this God who was holy and otherwise he wouldn't like me. And the more I started reading scripture and the more I saw how Jesus taught and the more I saw how he would actually interact. The reason I read Matthew chapter 16 was because he established what the church looked like. The church was not an organization. It was not built on contract. It was built on covenant. You don't know this? Maybe. And maybe all you know is church is a contract. Maybe you thought you couldn't come today because you weren't good enough. You, Pastor, if you knew what I did last night... This place would light on fire as I walked through the doors. And somehow somebody tricked you into coming anyway. They said, I'll buy you lunch, and you're, that's why you're here. And the more I read in Scripture, the more I see it's built on covenant that Jesus died. Anytime there's covenant, there's blood that's being shed. Jesus dies. His blood is shed so that family can be established in this place. Maybe you, your version of church is built on judging. Have you all been to that church? Y'all been to that church? Where you walked in, you knew. Nobody said hi to you because they were judging you. And when I say church, the ninth thing that comes to your mind is people who judge. Maybe when I say judge or church, you, say, you, you think of rules, regulations, things I can't do, things they won't let me do. If I become a Christian, some of you in here are maybe realizing that I didn't actually become a Christian. I'm not a Christian right now, or I, I wasn't a Christian for a song because I felt like all the rules that I had to, there's no way. There's so many rules. I can never be good enough. Why would I ever want to be a Christian? It doesn't work like that. Or maybe when I say church, it's pain. Maybe you feel pain. Maybe that the fact that you're in here right now is a miracle because you got hurt by a pastor. You got hurt by a church. Maybe you were hurt by an organization that was built on contract. And I think God wants to speak to you today and tell you that it's not built on contract. It's built on covenant. That's built on this thing called spirit. Today, I just, here's my thesis, if there's a thesis to this thing. Here's what I want you to consider. Instead of considering the church as a contract, an organization, a place that hurts you, a place that you have bad memories, a place that thinks about rule. I want you to consider the church as a family. 
I want you to consider this place not rise church. This isn't a church. This is, this, is a, this is a family. Jesus created it so he should establish what it is. And in Matthew chapter 16, he says, on this rock, I will build my church. Church there in the Greek is ekklesia. Everybody say that. Everybody say ekklesia. What's interesting about that, you say, hey, you're smart. You just talked in Greek. So anyway, ekklesia, what that means is literally a gathering of people. A church is not a building. Church is not a denomination. Church is not an organization. It's a gathering of people. It's a, it's a, come on, it's a family. Psalm chapter 68 says this. It says, God sets the lonely in families, not in organizations, not in denominations. I'm not a hater of a denomination. That's not what he created. He created a church. He created an ecclesia, a body of believers, a spiritual family. And when you see the church as a spiritual family, you'll reap the benefits of that spiritual family. If you only see the church as a contract or an organization you have to earn yourself into, you'll never receive the full blessing or potential inside of Christ. You'll always see it as I have to earn, and therefore when I earn, I can get. And that's not the way God designed it. God designed church. Hear me now. God designed church to be spiritual family. And in the time I have left, I want to talk to you about two things that spiritual family brings. Two things that spiritual family brings that I believe if we can see the church as a spiritual family, we can reap the benefits of this. Number one is this. Spiritual family brings responsibility. 1 Samuel chapter 18, it says this. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe. Everybody say robe. That was on him and gave it to David. The robe represented a few things. Represented inheritance. It represented authority. But primarily what the robe represented was responsibility. Now, I know some of you, again, when you go back to your church experience, you kind of go, oh, church. So I'm going to come in. And some of us, even as who we are inside this world, we're used to being a part of organizations. When you go to a gym, you pay dues, and then you therefore have rights. So if I pay my dues to the YMCA, therefore I can go in and use their equipment. And oftentimes what we do with church, we look at it the same way. Hey, I pay my tithes, I give, I come, I'm doing a part, I'm going to walk in, and now I have rights. But remember, the church wasn't built on being an organization. The church wasn't built on that little contract you signed at YMCA. The church was built on covenant. It was built on bloodshed. It was built on you're supposed to be a family. And when you look at it as a family, you don't look at the church as what I'm going to come and get from it. You look at the church as what I'm going to go and give to it. You look at it as like, this is my responsibility. It's a gathering of people. I'm trying to be a family, y'all. I'm coming in with my responsibilities. I got something to do. About the other day, my son, I have two 10-year-old boys. I have five boys total, but I have two twin 10-year-olds, and uh, I love them. They're crazy, but I love them. And uh, my 10-year-old, his name is Kellen, and he's one of my twins. And I said, hey, son, I need you to take out the garbage. And he goes, ugh. I don't know. You ever, does anybody have kids in here? I mean, we have a lot of children in this place. So there's like, our kids' ministry is amazing. But you have kids. Whenever you ask your kids to do something, does anybody get the grumble? Anybody else? Anybody? Uh, can I get it? That's an easy witness moment. Like, amen, pastor. I don't know what anybody else you're saying, but my kid's crazy. Yeah, my kid's crazy. So he's like grumbling about it. I'm like, hey, I need you to take out the garbage. And he goes, dad, why? I mean, just feed me. Like, I'm trying to watch, you know, my cartoons, and my brother's bothering me, and why don't you just give me something? Can we go to the store and buy me a toy? I'm like, I need you to go take out the trash. He goes, Dad, I don't want to. Why would you want me? And he's just grumbling, you know, he's just grumbling. And, you know, I'm just looking at him, and his, my wife looks at me, and I look at her, and I'm like, well, 
what do you want to do? You know, she's, you know, she's kind of looking at it and I'm looking at him and I go, so let me, I want to explain something to you. I said, let me ask you a question. Do you think I need you to take out the garbage? Do you think I need you to do that? No. I said, I don't need you to take out the garbage. You need you to take out the garbage. And he goes, what do you mean, Dad? I said, listen, this is a family. I love you, but when you were a baby, I didn't ask you to do much. Because you're a baby. And you cried, and then I fed you. And you cried, and then I changed you. And then you cried, and then I ignored you. I'm just kidding. But anyway, it's like you just, you're, you're, when you were a baby, I didn't ask for much. But as you got older, come on, church. As you got older... As you started being a part of this family, as you started growing, as you started learning more about God, as you started opening up the Bible for yourself, as you started learning more about this thing called family, you're going to start getting responsibilities. You want to know why? Because you need it. I don't need it. You need it. You have all met that person, that kid who has been given everything without any responsibility, right? What are they? Brats? entitled, self-righteous, they think everybody owes them something, and I'm, I'm just telling you right now, if I do anything right, I'm running that demon out of my kids. <laughs> Even in our own church, we're like, Pat, babe, uh, my wife's like, well, you know, when you bring the kids and you'll be around, and we, so we like literally make a decision, I'm like, hey, I told all the kids ministry people, our executive pastor, I told all of our children, hey, if my kids are acting crazy, don't let them act crazy just because they're the pastor's kids. That ain't going to be in here. Not today. Not ever. Why? Because I don't want them to be entitled. And when you walk into this spiritual family, it's going to come with responsibility. So if you were looking for a church, you just come and hang out and get something from and never give back. This probably ain't for you. But if you're looking for a family, if you're looking for a place to come and belong, if you're looking for a place to come and give back because you've been given so much, if you're looking for a place to come and grow, come and get blessed, come and be a part of something, come and get your eyes off of you and your eyes on someone else who's actually worse than you, if you're coming to help people who don't know God and you already know God, you say, Pastor, I've known God for a long time. I know, I mean, I, I know him. I'm, I know him. Good for you. There's going to be a lot of people that walk in here that don't know God. You need to connect them to the God that you've known for forever because we come in with responsibility. We're not entitled so when you worship, I'll just give you an example of our worship. Our worship is not an appetizer to the main course. If you are a family member, you come in here on to early so that you can ready on time so you can set the tone for our worship teams. So you can model front row leadership from the front, lifting your hands, praising God. We, we, it's like the, the goal of our worship set is not for so you can stare at the team. It's so that you can stare at God. Why? Then you could do that when you have responsibility. The goal of, of why we're generous and why we want to be given, why we want to model that for our community. We want to model that for our church. We don't, ask church. we don't ask you to give to the church so that the church can do well. The church don't need your money, just so you know. God doesn't need your money. The Bible says that God owns his cattle on a thousand hills. He's paved the street with gold. If you're paving your streets with gold, you ain't worried about money. He don't need your money, but what he wants is your heart. And when people ask you for to give, what he's saying is he's asking you for something only you could give him, which is your heart. And so we model that for generosity. Why? Because we have a responsibility to the family. The older we get in ministry, the older we get in God, the more we realize this thing is, if it's going to be, it's up to me. We're going to make this thing amazing. Next week, next week, next week, we start a brand new series. And uh, one of the things we like to do here is give out these, we call them bring bites. It's not a word, but we just made two words together. And just, it's what you do when you're a pastor, you make up words. So anyway, this is bring bites. And... Uh, and these are going to be all over, but they're on your chair. They're going to be everywhere. And the goal of this is not so that you know that there's something going on next week. 
The goal of these is so that you take responsibility because you're part of the family now. I'm going to go and make this thing happen. What you don't know right now is a lot of people are here for the first time. Some people are here. They flew in, come visited us, family, friends. And next week's going to be a little different. You're going to think there's no chairs. That's wrong. There's plenty of room. There's plenty of room. We can span this thing out. We got plans. We'll go to multiple services. Let me just tell you, there's plenty of room. And so when you're responsible of your family, you're going to go, you're going to leave today. This is what you do. What we responsible people do is we go, hey, it's going to be, it's up to me. Somebody's coming with me next week. Because it's not the pastor's responsibility to grow the church. It's the family's responsibility to grow the church. It's not just the dad's responsibility to have a good family. It's the kids. It's the wife. Everybody. It's all working together. Come on, y'all hear what I'm saying. All right, I'll get off of that. Some people are looking at me like, this is crazy, pastor. Anyway, number two. So first it brings responsibility. Second thing it brings is blessing. Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 18, it says, and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Belt represented blessing. Belt represented something uniquely uh, interesting to me. The belt really represented, I think, one main thing. It increased your potential for blessing. I'm going to say that again. It increased your potential for blessing. Their belt always had things on it. And I, what I've noticed is that I can carry some things with my hands. But if I have like a belt, any construction workers in here? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like the construction belt, like the contractor belt, and they have pockets, and you hold your hammer, and you hold your, you know, your tape measure and your nails and all that kind of thing. There's this belt. Think of it like that, that, that when we walk into this place and we connect ourselves to the body, to this family, it increases our potential for blessing. It increases our, because I can only hold so much by myself, but when I get connected to the family, all of a sudden you start seeing blessing, and you start, and and God desires to bless you so much you can't hold it, and so you need to start having compartments. That's the God we serve. He wants you to have compartments. He wants you to be so connected that your potential of receiving blessing becomes unlimited. Why? Because you're connected to a spiritual family. I'll read you an interesting verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm almost done. It says, just as a body, everybody say body, through one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. You need to think of the church as a spiritual family as it is a body. Here's what I found interesting. And this is just as I think about things. If I cut off my hand, it still exists, but it's not really alive. If I cut off my foot, I mean, it could still be there, but its potential of what it was designed to do only works when it's connected to what? The body. You need to think of yourself as that. That you are not going to fulfill your blessing potential unless you're connected to this spiritual family. That's how God created it. That's how he designed it. First Corinthians says we are designed to be together in a body. The more connected we are to the family, the more connected we are to the body, the more opportunity you have to be blessed. There's a reason why people who walk and follow with Jesus and who are so connected to the church seem to walk around with that weird kind of like, man, things just seem to be good. They, for some reason, even in their own issues, they seem like everything's all right. They seem to be blessed beyond even what they can carry. It's like they're not, you know they're not good. You you know what I'm saying? You met those people, they're friends of yours, they're Christians, you're like, I know they're not that good. But they're just walking around blessed. Why? Because when they're connected to the body, when we're connected to our spiritual family, your blessing potential increases. We as an organization, as, as Rise Church, we walk with a spiritual family. I have a pastor. Thank God. Because that's rare for a pastor to have a pastor. 
And people have asked me, like, well, I don't understand. What do you mean? Why do you have a pastor? I said, because it's not right. Here's what I think. It's disingenuous, and it's not right for me to ask you to have something that I won't have. Why should I say you need accountability when I don't walk around with accountability? I have a pastor. But I have multiple pastors all around the country. We walk in a spiritual family. I have a pastor. I have a life coach. I have a counselor. Listen, you want a pastor who's covered or beyond covered, beyond covered. Have you seen the news lately? Right? You want a place that can be safe. Let me just tell you, this place is safe. Not because I'm good, but because I'm covered. And the more we're connected to my spiritual family and my pastors and my connections, because here's why. I didn't do all this. This isn't my idea. I asked my pastor, what do you think? He said, do this. I said, okay, I'll do that. Because he's already reached people that I wanted to reach. He's already been 20 years down the line where I'm trying to go. He's already changing his world. He's already changed 10,000 people and on multiple boards and changing. There's people being lives changed every weekend. That's what I want. So I look at our spiritual family and I have a choice. That's not a requirement. I have a choice. I choose every day to walk in covenant with my spiritual family, our general spiritual family around the country. Why? For protection and for blessing. So you guys don't know this, but hundreds, if not thousands of people prayed y'all in today. You didn't even know that. And you're blessed because you're a part of our spiritual family because we're connected because I was just crazy enough to walk with spiritual family on a global level so that you can watch spirit, walk with spiritual family on a local level. Yeah, that's good. I amen myself. That's good, Pastor. <laughs> the more connected we are, the better we are. And I'm going to close with this thought. I'm done. Every spiritual, every family should have a mission statement. If you're a family in here, and you, if you're parents, and you need to have a mission statement. What is, what is your family going to accomplish while it's on this earth? For us as a church, our spiritual family, our mission statement is reaching people, building lives. You can kind of see that. It's all over. And you can wonder, like, where do we get that? We stole it. Like, who'd you steal it from? What church? No. Stole it from Jesus. We thought if we're going to steal anything, we could steal from Jesus. He created that. You might have heard it a different way. He said, go and make disciples. So go is our reaching people. Building lives part is our making disciples. So you go and you reach people, right? So you're reaching people, and that's God. We want you to connect to those who don't know you. Create a service and an atmosphere where you feel they feel comfortable to say yes to Jesus. And then building the lives part is the disciple part. That takes a long time. That takes a lifetime, honestly. There's a pastor building my life through Jesus. Hopefully there will be a pastor building your life. We would love to be that church and help you build your life for a lifetime. And um, it's our mission statement, reaching people, building lives, reaching people, building lives. If somebody asks you what we're about, that's what we're about, reaching those who don't know Jesus and then building their lives for a lifetime. Uh, how many of y'all have ever been to uh, Walt Disney World? Anybody been to Walt Disney World? You know, y'all spent your life savings there? That was great. Yeah, in like a day? Yeah, that's good. And, uh, you know, we walk around. I remember I was taking my kids, took, took my kids about a year ago. And uh, when you take five boys to Walt Disney World, under 10, it's almost like I lost. I didn't really understand what it meant to be a Christian. You know what I mean? <laughs> Until you don't really want to be one at Walt Disney World. Because you kind of look around and be like, ain't nobody knows me as a pastor out here. I can just say whatever I want, you know? And uh, it was just a crazy day. And uh, we get to the Pirates of the Caribbean, the Pirates Cove. And my son, Riley, they love pirates. And he grabs this map, and they have this map. It's kind of interesting. It's this map of 
where they want to go. And it's, it's a fake map. It's not real, but it looks real. And so he's looking for these things and these places. And he's wanting to get to this ride. Now, here's what I know when I'm a dad. If you've been there, you know. You know how to read the map. You know how to read the signs. You, I already knew where that, that ride, where he was trying to go. I knew where he was trying to go. I said, son, just follow me. It'll be okay. Now, I have five kids. We've got a bunch of family there. There's a billion, trillion, gazillion people everywhere. It's just chaos. It's madhouse. I'm looking around. And then what happened, and it just happened, and I don't know why, but it just happened. But we lost him. And because I kept telling him, he kept looking at his map, and he would fall behind. And I'm like, come on, like, get up here. I need you to be with your kids. And something happened. Well, my other kid fell. Another kid wanted something. My wife's, you know, she's like, I need water, Lord Jesus. And, you know, there's just people everywhere. And, and I get elbowed and punched by some grandma. And it was just off. It was crazy. And I, I, I looked around. I'm like, oh, my gosh, where's Riley? And my wife's like, where's Riley? And we, my family just, we freak out. Now, y'all know what that, have you ever kind of temporarily lost your child? Do you know what I'm talking about? That feeling in your stomach like, this is terror. This is, I don't know what I'm going to do. So she takes off, and my family takes off, and I run around, and I'm like this, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I don't know what to do. And I'm freaking out, and my son, Riley, comes up to me, and he goes, Dad, Dad. And I'm like, I'm thinking, he's like, I know where he is. I'm helping you, Dad. And when he goes, hey, Dad, Dad, uh, can I get an ice cream? <laughs> I'm like, son, no. You can't get an ice cream right now. Your brother, the one that looks like you, is lost. Stay right here so if I find him, you don't get lost. Y'all don't, do, don't do that? Like, stay here. Be where I can see you. I'm like, come on. Like, I can't, I can't just, no. Your brother's lost. Help me. Please help me find him. It's like, okay, okay. 30 seconds later, my son comes back up to me. And he goes, hey, Dad. I'm like, did you find him? He goes, no, no, I, I wasn't looking. Can we go to that ride right there? And I'm like, son, you know, and at that point, you know, you kind of contemplate whether or not you want to punch him. You know what I mean? Something like that. It's just me, kids, I, just boys. That's what I do. So anyway, like, I'm kind of freaking out, and I'm like, you don't understand. Why don't you pay attention? Your brother is lost. It's not about you right now. Come on, you, you see where I'm going? It's, it's not about you right now. Your brother who is lost, he's following a map that looks real, but is completely fake. He thinks he knows where he's going, but he don't knows where he's going. He's lost. He could be anywhere. He could be in trouble. And all you're asking for right now is how I can help you. And my Bible says that Jesus is the good shepherd who leaves the 99. who leaves all the people who know about him. And he does everything he can to find the one who doesn't. Maybe we be a church where we don't act like Riley. Like, what'd you learn today? Well, the pastor said don't be like his kid. Seriously, what, may we be a church who, it, we are trying to find those that are lost who are following a map that goes nowhere, who thinks they got it all figured out, and if they would just follow Daddy. God is not a dictator. God is not a boss. God is not a slave driver. God is a good, good father. 
And he loves you like he loves kids. And he's looking for those who were lost. You are not a slave. You are not a servant. You are a son. You are not a slave. You are not a servant. You are a daughter. And when you walk in spiritual family, you just get the blessings of the family. My sons don't have to earn to be my son. They're my sons because I said they were. You get my name, son. Grijalva. Walk around with it. Get your swagger on. Come on. You and I get to walk around with the blessing of being a Christian. And we're going to be about the people following the maps that go nowhere because we're going to go get them. So we're not going to create a church service where just church people come in. There's going to be people who walk in who don't know God. There's going to be people who walk in and just had a really bad moment last night, a really bad moment this morning, a really bad moment five minutes ago. They were just fighting with their family, fighting with their kids, saying, you better look good. You need to act good. Don't act good to come to church. Come to church and see me. It's amazing what happens when you walk into the presence of God, how all of a sudden holy you get. You try to be good. Don't fix yourself. This is a hospital, not a country club. So we need to go after the people who are lost. And help all the people who are following the maps to nowhere. May we be a church like that. I'm imploring you with everything that I have. Please look at this church as a family. There's room at the table. There's room for one more. And our desire is to grow you in that way. We bow ahead and close your eyes. Please nobody move in for just a second. We're just going to take a time right now. We're going to do this every week because this is what our church is about, is reaching those who don't know Jesus, reaching people and building lives. If you're in here right now, under the sound of my voice, maybe you've never said yes to Jesus before. Maybe you've wanted to one day. Maybe you've wanted to and you felt afraid. Maybe you don't know what that feels like. You, you feel like you'll be embarrassed. We won't embarrass you today. We'll make you talk to someone you don't know, make you stand up. All we do is have you lift your hands in just a moment if you've never said yes to Jesus. Maybe you're a second person in here. Maybe you've already said yes to him, but you've walked away. Maybe this is your first time in church in a long time after you've been hurt, all the pain and all the issues. And maybe you just don't know what to do right now. You don't know what you're going to do. And you need to rededicate your life. So if you're one of those two people, you need to give your life to Jesus for the very first time, or you need to rededicate your life. I'm going to give you that opportunity right now. I'm going to give you that opportunity right now. No one's looking around. It's between you, me, and God. So if, you need, if you're one of those two people, if you need to give your life to Jesus for the first time, or you need to rededicate your life between you, me, and God, just lift your hand up on the count of three. One, two, three. Just lift them up right now. Amen. Amen. Hands are going up all over this place. Come on. You could do it in this place. Come on. Lift up your hand right now. Amen. Amen. Hands are going up all over this place. All over this place. Lift them high. Will you go lower your hands? If we do this for me, everybody with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, everyone who said yes to Jesus, but even if you didn't, let's encourage those as a spiritual family, as a body of believers, for those who said yes to him. Maybe you lifted it, your hand up, or maybe you said yes to Jesus in your heart. We're all going to say this together. Say this with me. Everybody in here, let's encourage them. Say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and change my life. I recognize now that I'm a sinner, and I need you. Help me, Lord to live for you, to honor you, and to give you my all. It's from this day forward, I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. Come on, somebody say amen. 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 Give God a hand clap of praise in this place. Come on, church. For those who just said yes to Jesus.